Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, indeed. Good morning. And I am joined from the University of Minnesota. Mary Meyer is with us today helping you out. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Denny. How are you today? I'm just like everybody else, trying to stay cool. I must admit we did not, at least in our neighborhood, uh, just got a a few drops of rain. How about uh, where you live? Yes, just a few drops. Nothing to measure in the rain gauge, so that's a disappointment. But yesterday someone asked me, do plants like this hot weather? Yeah, do they? Do plants like this kind of weather? Do they? Well, a lot of them do. A lot of our tropical plants do enjoy this kind of weather. People who are trying to grow bananas, uh, caladiums, there are some tropicals that really enjoy this weather. Many of our vegetables do, the uh, pumpkin, squash that like uh, warm conditions. So many of our plants are okay as long as they have enough water. That's the key, isn't it? Yeah. What about... uh, what about now? We're we're doing pretty good, I must say, in our yard with uh, with cucumbers and tomatoes. Do they like uh, hot, humid weather? Yes, they do. They they do quite well with warm conditions. Uh, when it gets above ninety ninety five, it's a little bit more difficult to have the fruit set and um, and to get consistent uh, flowering and fruit set. But most of the time, the warm weather conditions in the 80s is no problem for a lot of our plants, uh, especially vegetables, to grow. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, as long as you can give them water. Water is certainly a limiting thing, and we certainly hear about that with a huge amount of our state now in uh, drought conditions. Just terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, let's invite our listeners, uh, Mary, to join in. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, and if you're a regular listener, you know how busy we get here on the show. So you can call in your question to Mary, or you can send Mary a text. It's the same number for either the phone call or a text. That number is 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226 for either your text question or uh, your phone call. And uh, Mary, let's do it. I think we, uh, I think, yeah, we got a bunch of uh, callers already. Chuck is first up here, I think, calling from Blaine, Minnesota. Chuck, you're on with Mary Meyer. Hi, thanks for taking the call. Uh, I got a question about watermelon. I'm growing watermelon finally for the first time in my life. I've tried hundreds of times, it seems like, but uh, 
<laughs> I've got a variety that actually is growing. I got like 13 or 14 melons in a four by four raised bed. And I want to know if I should trim off the ends of the vines to let the growing go into the melons rather than into the vine, or if I should just leave them alone. I think, I think Chuck, you should leave them alone. Uh, while that might be tempting, uh, it might not always happen the way you think, uh, because the more leaves you leave on the plant, the more carbohydrates the uh, plant can make, and that means the sweeter the melon and the more melons you'll get. So I wouldn't do any trimming on them. I think you've done a fabulous job. I think you said you have a four-foot by four-foot raised bed. You've got 13 to 14 melons, so good for you. That sounds like you're doing a great job. I should say. Uh, just text uh, just came in. Hello, Mary and Denny. Love the show. Listen every week. Thank you for that. I have an eight-year-old hydrangea paniculata, vanilla strawberry. It's been happy all these years. Planted a spot with uh, many hours of sun per day. Within the last two weeks, leaves are turning yellow and dropping on the interior branches. The blooms are plentiful. Otherwise, looks healthy. Does not appear to be overwatered. What could be causing the yellowing of the leaves, you think? I think that's a case of the drought and heat uh, showing that the plant put out more leaves than it can now take care of with reduced resources in water or uh, too much heat, but it's probably lack of water. So the plant is compensating by dropping some of the leaves. So I actually have that same plant, vanilla strawberry. It's a great uh, type of hydrangea. And it's one of the tougher hydrangeas that doesn't need, um, it's not as fussy as uh, some of the smaller hydrangeas. So uh, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with your plant as a whole. The uh, fact that you can see the flowers and the, lots of flowers on it, it's a sign it's uh, okay. Good deal. Thanks for listening. Ken is calling in this morning from Blaine from Mary Meyer. Ken, what's your question for Mary? I have a question on magnolia trees. Um, I have a butterfly magnolia tree, and uh, I have found now uh, after it's got gotten done blooming that um, there are like little pods, or they look like little tiny cucumbers on the ground, and I'm thinking that they must be seeds, but I'm wondering um, what can I do with those seeds, and uh, are they uh, can they be uh, planted, and uh, will they regrow, or how how does that work? Yes, I think what you are seeing, uh, Ken, uh, are the seeds. And cucumber, tiny cucumber, is, is kind of a, a good description. Normally, those seeds will stay on a magnolia and many times turn red when they're fully ripe. I think yours have probably dropped prematurely, and they are probably not fully developed seeds. Uh, you can try to plant them and see if they will grow, but uh, many times those will not uh, germinate unless they're uh, red and really have grown on the plant the whole uh, year. Uh, the fact that you had um, flowers and, and the plant could produce some seeds or kind of immature seeds even, it's a good sign. It's a sign that the tree is healthy. I thought you were going to ask me about magnolia scale, which is a huge problem um, in our good sign. It's a sign that the tree is healthy. 
I thought you were going to ask me about magnolia scale, which is a huge problem um, in our area. But if you have no sign of scale, that's the white, bumpy-looking, white, cottony-like material all along the stem, uh, good for you. Uh, But the seed germination, that's going to be... um, pretty involved and uh, will take quite a bit of time, but you can always put some in a pot, uh, keep it moist and in a pot of soil and see uh, if it does germinate. Barry, this text kind of follows up on our our comment about uh, watering. Uh, Water is important during this weather, Texter says, but do we water less in high humidity? Is constant damp soil good or bad? Well, constant damp soil can be a negative thing. Um, it's it's better, I, ideally, you know, we talk about one inch of water a week, whether that's through an irrigation system or, um, you know, uh, rainfall, which uh, we are so uh, deprived of at this point. But constantly moist soil is not necessary for a good plant growth. It's just over time, if you have... Uh, sufficient deep watering, that really is what is ideal. We have a lot of information on the website at extension.umn.edu about watering and watering for your lawn or vegetable garden trees, which is really critical. The other thing um, I think all of our listeners are probably well aware of is that cities now have regulations on watering, which everyone should be very well aware of. When does your city allow for watering, whether that's handheld watering by your hose, you, you standing there with a hose, or whether it's your irrigation system? Uh, they're really uh, regulations, especially now with drought uh, recommendations, that everyone really needs to be aware of and uh, follow. No, that's a good point, Mary. Glad you brought that up. Also, for uh, newer listeners, yeah, like Mary said, check out the university website, extension.umn.edu. Tremendous amount of information you can find uh, on there. All right, I'll tell you what. They're signaling me, Mary, we need to take a bit of a break here. Uh, We have callers, we have texters here in our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday uh, in the 8 o'clock hour here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday on CCO in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning, you're getting all the help you need from Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Mary, we are jam-packed with phone calls and text messages. And uh, maybe in a few minutes, maybe after the uh, bottom of the hour weather, we can talk a little bit about what's going on at the Arboretum. What do you say? We'll do that then. Yes, great. All right, let's see who's first up. David, I believe, is first up, calling from Eden Prairie this morning. David, you're on with Mary. Yeah, hi, Mary. Hey, I have a watermelon question also. I have a lot of melons that are um, growing. They get the size of a golf ball, and then they wilt and die. I'm just wondering what's going on. Well, that could be a number of things. Um, watermelon uh, require bees to do the pollination. So um, depending on the weather conditions and location, uh, there may not be enough bees out to do the pollination. 
Uh, that's another, um, and, and the fact that the plant, the uh, fruit doesn't mature means there's not enough resources. So if, um, if they got pollinated, but there's not enough water or um, there's not enough nutrients, then the plant will abort and those will fall off. So it, it's hard to say what the one individual thing is, or it might be a combination. There's also the fact that once it gets too hot, some of the fruit won't set, even though um, that watermelon, of course, likes warm weather. So um, there, I would just say that if, if you have them in full sun, keep watering them, and um, hopefully some of the fruit will set even though not everyone sets that's when it starts out. It's always, that's typical that some will abort, but some should grow uh, healthy. Um, and I would, I would also look up watermelon. I mean, I could do that while we're talking, but I would look up watermelon for um, other tips that's on the extension.umn.edu website. Good point. This listener, Mary, says, what can I do about some sticky white goo on my houseplants? Oh, sticky white goo. So this sounds like scale or mealybugs. Now, if you can, uh, with your hand or with a Q-tip, remove some of that. Does it come off? Can you remove it is a sign that it's probably mealybug or scale. You can also find pictures of that online in what's wrong with this plant or what insect is this uh, at the extension website. But if it's scale insects or mealybugs, those um, you can uh, try to remove them by hand, physically removing them. You can also use water to try to spray them off with uh, a hose or use insecticidal soap. Those are all uh, good, um, easy, and uh, relatively easy and safe treatments that you can use. But I would first try to determine exactly what is it that's on there. You can also take a picture of it and mail it into the extension website also to ask a master gardener. Yeah, some great resources again. Back to the phones we go. Uh, Pete is calling in from St. Francis this morning. Pete, you're on with Mary Meyer. Good morning, guys. Hey, I'm calling about lightning. How much nitrogen is released in a good lightning storm? I know last night it was gorgeous out. But my question is, how much benefit do we have with lightning? Um, yes, there there is nitrogen released from lightning. Uh, the exact amount I couldn't tell you that without looking it up. But yes, that that is a value. Um, I don't think it's consistent, and there's such variability to it that um, you know that can't be the only uh, source that we rely on. Um, other plants like legumes will consistently. Um, fix nitrogen, and then make it available to plants that are grown in that soil afterwards. So legumes are a much more reliable source than nitrogen than lightning, but lightning does, uh, yes, it does put nitrogen into the soil. Yeah, good point. Thanks, Pete. Uh, texter wants to know, during this hot weather, do flower gardens in the sun need to be watered every day? Well, not necessarily, no. What happens, what, what you'll see with this extreme heat is that many plants will wilt 
when they're in the, the peak sunshine and the hottest part of the day, but they often recover as soon as the sun is uh, less severe and intense on them. So as long as they're recovering after, uh, towards the evening uh, and after the direct sunlight, uh, they're all right. Um, established plants, ones that have been there more than three years, will usually be okay. It's the newly planted things, especially anything you planted this year and especially trees that were planted this year. Those are the plants that we really need to prioritize as far as which ones we're going to be watering. Okay. Uh, let's grab a phone call from uh, Nancy's calling in from Edina this morning, and then we'll get the weather. Hi, Nancy. What is your question for Mary? Hi, Mary. I have a Bing cherry tomato plant, uh, a couple of them, and I was told if I cut the feeders off on the stems, it would be better for the for population. And I hope I'm doing that right, because since I've done that and I've been fertilizing it and watering it, the, the cherry tomatoes have gotten larger. So am I am I on the right path with that? <laughs> yes, this this is a real debatable issue because some people do prune or pinch their tomato plants and oh, oh even to a single stem. Others like me, I don't do any pruning at all. It's just the the more the merrier. But um it it really depends if you want fewer and larger fruit. That's usually achieved by pruning or pinching off side suck, side suckers and so on on a tomato. If you really just want uh, more fruit as a whole, I, I I don't do any pruning on uh, tomatoes. So it, it works both ways. For, fortunately, tomatoes are quite um, they're quite flexible, and you you can do it either way. But usually, fewer fruits will be fewer larger fruits with what you'll get with pruning. All right, very good. Let's uh, take a break, Mary. We're going to look at that hot forecast, and we'll be back with about another half hour of the show to go. Smart Garden Show here on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO around every Saturday in the, in the 8 o'clock hour. Denny Long here along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota answering uh, your questions. We always, as you know, Mary, like to talk about and urge folks to get to the Arboretum. You talk about a great resource. What's going on these days at the Arboretum, Mary? Yes, there are lots of things going on at the Arboretum, Denny. We have a new trail that opened for people to walk uh, on uh, there's free yoga at the Arboretum. So many days there's yoga lessons. If you have uh, have admission or members, of course, are free uh, admission at the Arboretum. Uh, there are lots of things blooming in the prairie now, and the annual garden is really at its peak. Many of the roses are blooming. Uh, there are art exhibits in the building. The uh, Oswald Visitor Center is open with the art exhibits as well as the restaurant is open now uh, Wednesday through Sunday. You do need to make a reservation to get to the Arboretum um, if members are free. Otherwise, it's $15 for adults. 
but they're opening all day today, all day tomorrow, virtually uh, every day in the next two weeks. They'll have no problem uh, visiting the Arboretum. So lots to see there and many plant recommendations if you're all the hydrangeas are just about at their peak blooming now as well. So if you're thinking about buying a new plant, it's great to find that plant at Arboretum. There's an online app that you can search and find uh, any plant uh, and figure out right where it is at the Arboretum. Oh, you, you're going to love it there. Great resource, the Arboretum. All right, Mary, we have callers. We have texters. Let's see how many folks we can help out today. Tom is calling in from Hinkley, Minnesota this morning. Tom, you're on with Mary. Hi there, Mary. I've got a eight to ten year old horseradish patch, and I just uh, dig it for friends once in a while. They come over if they want some. It's hot, and I bought the host plant from a master gardener up here. And uh, I said you can't kill it, which the children tried by mowing it over a few times. But no, you cannot kill it. And I just wonder what's the best time because everyone has a different opinion on when's the best time to dig it without hurting the plant and how to put it back together once it's dug a little bit. Well, because uh, horseradish has such a big root, and of course it's the root that we eat and great uh, for culinary purposes, it's, if you said it's hard to kill it, you, you normally have a horseradish plant for your whole life and then for the next generation even. So um, I think in the springtime, is if there is one time I would say when you could start uh, digging it or moving it would be first thing in the springtime. As it gets later in the season, um, it uh, has more issues, but it's a very tough plant. So you can do it almost any time. But if I had to pick one, I'd say the spring. Okay. This listener wants to know, can partially dead branches on a large magnolia shrub be trimmed now or wait? Yes, you can do that on a magnolia now. You can, you can, for most plants, you can prune off something if it's totally dead pretty much any time of the year. The only plants I would not recommend doing that with are the oaks because of the oak wilt disease and the transmission issues with that. But uh, you could do that now on a magnolia, yes. Okay. Back to the phones we go. Pete is calling in this morning from Elko, I believe. Pete, you're on CCO with Mary. Hey, good morning, Mary. Quick question for you on lilacs. Um, I live out in the country on a farm here. I planted common lilacs probably 50 years ago and beautiful for all these years. Two years ago, they started kind of curling, getting yellow on me, and I trimmed those out. Last year, they finally got so bad that I cut them down to the ground. Every time this spring, <clears throat> they came out beautifully. And now all of a sudden, I'm noticing just a little bit one by one, they're starting to do that same thing to curl up and get yellow. The information I looked up, it looks like it's some kind of a blight, but I don't know what to do with it now. Uh, Pete, I'm glad you called to ask about this because, yes, last year we did see diebacks with lilacs, which was very unusual. It was diagnosed as leaf spot diseases. We rarely see problems like this on our lilacs, but I think this is just a cumulative stress of environmental conditions and perhaps drought for now uh, an indefinite amount of time. 
pests and also the hotter weather conditions. Lilacs are a plant that do prefer cooler conditions. We can grow lilacs in the north, but you never see them in the south, and that is because they like cooler weather conditions and, and survive better in cool conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, rejuvenation technique. You're cutting back the some, what some people call this, what the uh, chainsaw pruning method. Uh, cutting that back uh, was a good idea. Many times we do that at the Arboretum in rejuvenating old lilac hedges. And so that is a good thing to do uh, in, in this type of situation. You get rid of all any of the disease material that was there, clean the whole thing up, and let the lilacs come back from the roots. So that, that was a good thing. At this point, I don't know what to tell you to do other than uh, use additional water, if possible, on these plants to help them uh, get through, the, especially the hot, drier conditions. Uh, you want to be aware of not watering the foliage, just watering the roots and keeping the plants um, foliage dry and improving any air circulation that you can. So if they're in a tight, you might take out some of the middle ones or something so the air circulation is better around it. But at this point, I would say watering them and watching closely the foliage and any that is totally dead, removing that and cleaning up the leaves in the fall of the year. Okay. This listener, Mary, is having trouble with a calla lily. Said, I let it go dormant in the winter. This spring added water and fertilizer. Got one flower and nice leaves. The plant is very leafy, and we have had limited flowers. Ratio is far more leaves than flowers. What do you think we can do? I would try using some fertilizer that has a lower nitrogen to phosphorus and potassium ratio. So that first number on the fertilizer should be low. The other two numbers should be higher. And hopefully that will help uh, induce the blooms. And then I give it quite a bit of light, as much light as you can. Calla lilies don't have to have full sun uh, when they're outside, but uh, but good light conditions. And hopefully with the fertilizer, then uh, you'll get some more blooms. Okay. Let's get another phone call. This time Phil is calling in from Waverly, Minnesota. Phil, you're on CCO with Mary. Hi. I got a problem a bittersweet vine that was growing all the way to the top of my telephone pole and was getting in the transformer, so I tore it out. And now I get suckers from. How do you control them suckers coming up from the roots? Well, the easiest way is, Phil, is just to keep cutting them off. I know that's kind of a pain in the neck, but that is still the best way to do it. There are some herbicides. Uh, that you can buy, that you can paint on or uh, spray on the cuts where you actually cut the um, uh, stem. You put the herbicide there, and that will prevent it from sprouting. Uh, Garlon and so on, those are high... high-intensity herbicides, many of them will kill everything that they touch. Uh, Roundup glyphosate is the same thing. So the strong herbicides will kill it if you put that on the cut tissue. You just want to read the label carefully and follow the directions on that. But uh, a couple years of cutting off those suckers, and then they'll stop. Okay. This listener wants to know, will Annabelle hydrangea or coneflowers grow in the shade or filtered sun? 
Annabelle hydrangea or cone flowers in shade? Well, they would rather have sun. If you have less than six hours of sun a day, uh, that's going to be tough. I would urge you to think of some other plants. We have many plants that do tolerate shadier conditions, azaleas, the yews. Um, and then for flowers, there's tons of uh, flowers that will grow in shadier conditions. But, you know, you can always try it. The plants will live there, but whether or not they'll flower, that's the question. Okay. This listener says, we have tomato plants and peppers in two separate raised beds, new soil this year. They are getting lots of fruit, but some have bottom rot. We have added some eggshells to the peppers, and on tomatoes we added some lime and just added some powdered milk last night. We've been pulling off the ones uh, with rot. Are we doing things right? Well, that rot on the bottom, that blossom end rot, is very common with tomatoes, less so with peppers, but we do see it. What that is from is um, extreme water um, availability in the soil. So a lot of water versus no water, a lot of water, no water. That that imbalance back and forth shows up as the, the end of the fruit not fully developing. So you want to try to water um, deeply and not so frequently. So when you put the water on, leave it on until you have put on an inch or time it so that you know you're getting a good deep amount of water in there. And you don't have to do that every day, but if you do it every in a raised bed, you probably need to do it like twice a week. Okay. So water deeply and not necessarily so often. While we're on the subject of watering, this listener says, does the temperature of the water matter when giving potted plants a drink in the mornings? While we're on the subject of watering, this listener says, does the temperature of the water matter when giving potted plants a drink in the mornings? Well, you don't want to water when your hose has been setting in the hot sun. You know, that's burning hot, boiling water coming out of that hose. So you have to be careful about that. So otherwise, the temperature doesn't matter. So if, if it's, it's warm but not hot is okay, and then cold is okay too, because at this time of year, uh, the, the pots above ground, they're, they're warm, and so cool water is actually kind of uh, refreshing. So uh, just extreme heat is what you have to be careful about. Yeah, and boy, you're right. That water can get uh, can get really hot when the hose is in the sun, for sure. All right, we need to take a quick break, Mary. We have more Smart Garden Show to come along right after the break. 74 degrees in the Twin Cities. We're going to be probably in the neighborhood. Well, we'll be in the 90s. I can guarantee that. 92 today, 93 tomorrow, maybe Tuesday, even 96. 74 now here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. And welcome back. Denny Long here with Mary Meyer from the U of M here on CCO. It's called Smart Garden here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Don't forget our home improvement show gets underway right after the uh, 9 o'clock news break. Uh, Mary, we talked earlier about uh, watermelons, I know. 
And this listener says, does the advice you gave about watermelon apply to winter squash as well? Yes, it it they're pretty similar, although they're two uh they're really different um different plants. They are pretty similar. Those uh squashes and the melons have male and female flowers, sometimes on the same vine, sometimes on different vines. So the pollination is trickier for them. So you gotta have that pollination to get the fruit set. Then there are a number of uh, diseases and insect problems that they both share. Overall, they like the warm weather as long as they have enough water. But, yes, similar similar uh, cultural growing conditions. All right. Here's a text that says, good morning. I have an infestation of what looks like mealy bugs on my asters. I have cut down the dead plants and tried neem oil spray. No luck. Will they come back next year, do you think? So I assume this is a perennial aster. Uh, will the asters come back next year or will the mealybugs? So I'm a little confused about which one, but asters, if they're, they have been there for a while, yes, they should come back. Mealybugs, maybe or maybe not. If you remove a lot of the uh, insects themselves, that's good and you can get rid of them. So I would just say be vigilant and watch uh, and inspect your plants to make sure that you can see them when they first start coming. Okay. This listener sent a text and it says, can I cut a dead oak branch now? You know, I would not do anything to your oak tree till we get further away from that. Mid-July is still an iffy area. It's better to do the pruning on the oaks when there's the least chance of oak wilt, and that is um, after July, once we get into the fall. Otherwise, I would not risk it with the oaks. They're so vulnerable with any type of an open wound that will transmit that uh, oak wilt. So I'd wait on that. Okay. Yeah, good idea. John from West St. Paul sent this in. I am rooting curly willows in water. How thick should the roots get before I go to soil? Uh, what's the next step? Thank you. Well, great. Good for you. If you can see roots in the water, I would put them into the soil. I would go ahead and uh, transplant them into soil. It's a little bit of a shock, but uh, the willows are great. Uh, it's easy to propagate. So if you can see the roots, I'd go ahead and do that. I'd use probably a lightweight potting soil. Don't transplant them into real heavy soil. And I think I probably would put them in the pot rather than put them in the ground. Uh, get them used to a pot where you can uh, manage them and water them. And then once they're well-rooted in a pot, then I put them in the ground. This listener says, what critter would be eating the buds off my spaghetti squash? Also, they ate my zucchini plant down to the soil. Oh, my gosh. This is so frustrating. These darn critters. And, I mean, I feel like, should I have a camera on my on my vegetable <laughs> garden or something to see what the heck is out there? I don't know, but there's anything and everything. I mean, big things like deer, small things like rabbits. Then we get these things like voles and mice, and they will try out anything. A baby rabbit. I actually caught a baby rabbit in the fencing in my garden. The thing was so tiny, I, I could hardly tell what it was. All I can say is there are a number of things, 
and any type of exclusion, the fencing as much as possible. But you get to these small things like the voles, and they will just tunnel in and out on their own in a little in in the ground coming in and out. So um, you might set some mouse traps if it, you think it's something really small and you've got fencing, but um, that's a frustration for all of us. Well, do not raccoons do some damage as well? Exactly. Yes, exactly. You know, the bigger the the bigger the animal, the more likely we can fence it out or have some exclusion. But smaller animals like voles and mice, they they can get in, uh, you know, quite easily. And then with their tunneling, so I would just be vigilant, uh, watching it. And uh, yeah, and, hey, there's nothing wrong with setting a couple of mouse traps as long as you know you don't have children or pets that will get hurt by those. Very good. You could put up what do they call them? Trail cameras. <laughs> you could see what what, <laughs> yes. what critters are uh, uh, invading your garden. Uh, a lot of watering questions, obviously, this time of year, Mary. This one says, I recently visited Clemens Gardens in St. Cloud. The staff were watering at midday. The flowers were gorgeous, of course, but I thought, Texter said, watering was supposed to be early or late. What's up with that? Texter wants to know. Uh, that is true. We I, Watering early in the morning is the best time to do watering. And then again, if you've got city restrictions, depending on what, how you're watering and what you're watering, you have to pay attention to that too. Um, my guess is, is that's the easiest time for the staff to water because of when they're working. But uh, right, we again, we have a lot of watering information. And, you know, one of the new things that's up on our website about watering is three easy ways to water a tree with a bucket, a five gallon bucket, three or four times a water bag uh, once a week or a trickle hose 15 minutes on each side of the tree. So there's there's a lot of great information on the extension website and and prioritize your plants. What did you plant this year? What large tree did you plant that you need watering? That will will really help to get through the drought. A couple of uh, hydrangea plants and this listener did not form flowers this year. Any idea why? Yeah, hydrangeas are really complicated because there are three main kinds of hydrangeas that we grow. Some develop buds and flowers on this year's growth. Always a good, reliable thing in Minnesota. If they develop flowers on the previous year's growth that might be injured by the cold, that could be the issue. You have no flowers. So the kind of hydrangea is complicated. Uh, that can be a problem, and then full. They need enough sun to make sure they have flowers as well. Again, uh, for those just joining us, get on that university website. You're going to just be, be open to a whole wealth of information. Uh, extension.umn.edu. Uh, here's an, another watering question: uh, Would using water from a dehumidifier be bad to use on outdoor flower pots? No, I think that's okay. The dehumidifier really just takes the water out of the air. Uh, you should not have any problem in using that. That should be fine. Okay. This texter said, I've identified virus on my dahlia plants. Should I dispose of them or try to see if I can get a, a few blooms? 
If you know you have a virus, I would dispose of that plant. Uh, viruses often will be internally, they're in one plant, they will not necessarily live in the soil, but I would get rid of that plant that you know has a virus. Um, it's not, it, it's very, it's unlikely it will get better. Okay. Uh, this texter says, what time of the year can I trim arbovitis shrubs? What time of year? Oh, it's kind of iffy right now. Um, they, I, I don't like to prune uh, after July 15th uh, because that um, that encourages pruning encourages new growth and new growth might be hurt in the winter. So I would avoid doing it right now. I cut a lot of my arborvitae for Christmas for uh, and for evergreen pots and so on in the winter time. So I tend to do it in the winter time or real early spring. Right now is not the best. Okay, Mary, I can't believe it. We're out of time. You know how fast it goes. Every week it happens that way. Yeah, especially with a lot of questions. So oh, always a so pleasure many. to do the show, Denny. Oh, we our pleasure. The, the pleasure is ours, Mary. Mary, thanks so much. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Again, if you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. We are here with Smart Garden Show every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour welcoming your lawn and garden questions. And we'll do the same next week. Get those home improvement questions ready. That's coming along with Andy Lindis next hour. What's happening weatherwise today here in the Twin Cities? Sunny, high near 92. We dropped to 64 overnight. Sunny and hot, probably hazy again tomorrow. The high near 93, maybe 96 on Tuesday. Right now, northwest winds at 9 miles an hour. Mostly cloudy skies. Our current WCCO temperature reading 74. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.